I just heard that Exoskin has arm sleeves, so check that out. There's a coupon code in the show links. Also, trainingforultra.com has wraps now. We have a green one and a pink one. Check those out. Very reasonably priced. This is Chris Harrington, one of the official Golden Cow people. And welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. If we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire, the possibilities are endless. I'll tell you about it when it happened in the race, but to be honest with you, it happened even before the race. It happened in the training. A great cause. Oh, thanks. Man. I respect that, man. So you keep doing what you do, it, man. Keep inspiring. Jam Jam, Jamil Curry here from Era Viper Running, and welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey everyone, it's the Training for Ultra podcast. Scott Jurek here. This is Tim Tweetmeyer. Run a few Western states in the day. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could, you know, finish a 50 miler, I could probably run across the country. Right now, I'd say that my beers per day is still higher than my miles per day that I'm running. <laughs> 100 miles is not that far. Hey, this is Carl Meltzer, the Speed Goat, and I want to welcome everybody to the Training for Ultra podcast. Welcome to episode 154 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name's Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra, and we have a great episode. Chris Harrington has joined us. Just a really nice guy. I think you guys will enjoy this episode a lot. I wanted to thank Exoskin because they have this big sale going on. If you use the promo code T4U20, so T the number 4U, the number 20, any order that's over $95 after the discount code will receive a free pair of toe socks. And customers should add a comment how long their foot is. So that's a pretty sweet deal. Check that out. I think initially they were going to use, they're going to give away some skull caps, but they ran out of them. So This is a popular sale for 25% off your order. Just use that promo code. The offer is good until the middle of December. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. They saw the virtual treasure hunt and they wanted to get in on it. So for one of the hunts, they offered to give away gold. And maybe you'll have to check out their website to know what products they offer. It's gold standard. So they're actually going to give some free, fairly expensive product away. Excited to include them in a future treasure hunt. If you're wondering what the heck is this virtual treasure hunt, check out patreon.com slash training for ultra. And if you're going to place an order on Hammer Nutrition, just use the promo code 252888. You'll save 15% off your first order. It might be a referral code, but check them out. Big thank you to both of them. If you haven't tried out a Kogala light, I highly recommend it. It's game-changing when you run at night. It changes a lot of how your brain is processing things just because it's so lit up as opposed to swinging your head around with that little dot. So anytime I run overnight or in the dark, this is just a really, really great system. Highly recommend them. 
Check out the show notes for all the discount codes that I have available for you. Wanted to give a quick shout out to you Patreon supporters. Brian Sands, giant supporter, really appreciate it. David, York Beach Runner, Landon, Pat, Jared, Ray, Todd, Matthew, Scott. You guys have all been huge supporters and that shout out tier. Really appreciate it. We're joined by Chris Harrington. He's not a friend of the show yet. Uh, I've been trying to get him on for quite some time. We've had a few beers together throughout the course of um, ultra running and just excited to have you on, Chris. Thanks for joining Alyssa and I here on the Training for Ultra podcast. No, thanks for having me, both of you. I'm, I'm really excited we were able to sync up and, and have a conversation on this nice Sunday afternoon. Let's start off. I want to hear your sponsors. Let's throw them out there real quick, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Um, I am currently sponsored by a Rabbit. I'm on the Trail Elite team, which sometimes having Elite in a name is always strange to me uh, personally, but uh, I'm a part of that team. And then also uh, Goo, and shout out to uh, my my favorite person over there, Celia, uh, and also Brian Gillis. Those two have been awesome uh, and have helped me out quite a bit over the past few years. So thanks, awesome. guys. So Chris and I, our story actually, I think it's in the book. I just didn't like, you know, throw your name out there, but I had just <laughs> DNF'd after 50K of the 100K at Never Summer. I had gotten the big climbs in and my knee was just jacked up. And so I had to wait forever to get a ride back and found myself. I think I took a quick shower, went back to the finish line had a beer and this guy comes running in you didn't i don't know it seemed like you were a little out of it i mean you just run 100k <laughs> in the mountains but you weren't like super excited about your results i think i was probably more excited for you and <laughs> and we hobbled around and had a beer and it was a good time yeah yep i remember sitting by the campfire and having that beer um yeah, you know, Never Summer, that course is, I think it's a really special course and, and NAR runners do a fantastic job at that race. But yeah, you know, I just, I think I had an expectation of, of hitting a certain time and and uh, I had a good couple last miles in there, but kind of, I don't know, I, I got lost early on in the race and the second that happened, it kind of took me out of it competitively, at least mentally. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just kind of a weird day, but I, you know, honestly, I, I, I want to go back to that race at some point. It's such an incredible course. I'm thinking next year, possibly. So it's, yeah, it's, are you going to go back to, I, yeah, I, I might, uh -huh. I'm looking at courses that are within like drivable distances for 2021, mm -hmm. just to mm -hmm. be thoughtful of my family and, yep. you, know, you know, the whole community. So that's yep. really where my focus is and something like a Bighorn 100 is also yep. know, on my radar, Leadville 100. So yep. we'll, we'll probably, you'll, you'll finish uh, probably 10 hours ahead of me at all these races, but yeah, Listen, we'll, man, you we'll never know ourselves. what happens, yeah. you know, you never, you never know. I, you know, I haven't been out there to run 240, so I, you know, I don't know what some of those things feel like. And, you know, I, I could be in a bad spot or you could be in a good spot and, and who knows, that's kind of the beauty of the sport, I think. So we've, we've had beers and pizza, like just after work one day, and I'm embarrassed because I never really asked you and you're from Denver. Have you? Were you growing up in Denver? Did you grow up in Denver? Like, no, where, no. where did so, you move from? 
Yeah, I'm from, I'm actually from Michigan originally. Um, I'm from a, a town called, it's called Gross Point Park and it's uh, Southeast Michigan, kind of right outside Detroit. Um, my family's all back there for the most part. Okay. And I have a number of friends who are still there. Um, I grew up in Birmingham, Michigan. Are you serious? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. I know. I, yep. I'm very familiar with Birmingham. We won't um, talk hockey at all. Cause I don't want to <laughs> off the, the Northern it's, listeners. I know it's, and it's rough, right? I was always a big wings fan. Um, it, you know, it's tough now, but we, we, yeah, that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's all a topic for another time. So had you been running back in Michigan or where did this take place? Like, where did you start getting the, uh, the urge to hit trails? Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, the background for running is it, it was kind of strange for me. Um, I, I grew up playing lacrosse and baseball and roller hockey for the most part. So I had kind of a very generic, um, played a few sports, athletic background. And, you know, I, I've been an asthmatic my entire life. And, and for the mile or half mile runs in gym class when I was a kid, I, I would get doctor's notes. So I didn't have to participate in those because I was always afraid if I ran that hard for that long. It was always like half mile was intimidating as heck to me. Like, I, I yeah, it was very strange. So um, I, I didn't really run that much outside of uh, being, you know, outside of the general sport environment, but purely running, um, for running's sake was not something I typically did or enjoyed in, in any way, shape or form. Um, which again is ironic. And, and I used to lift weights too. So I, I my brother was, has always been a big weightlifter and he got me into that as a kid. And I used to be like 190 pounds and, you know, had a buzzed head and was kind of a meathead. Um, no and, and so now never I have guessed. we yeah, need pictures of this. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'll see what I can dig up. I think I might have a couple somewhere, but from, uh, they're from probably like head to elite. Yeah. Runner. Yeah. I don't know. Oh God. <laughs> it's probably like, you know, me flexing in a mirror at the gym or something. And I like would be embarrassed as hell to, to have that be anywhere. I'm sure there's, there's like the headline, like rabbit yeah. drops runner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> expose this I, meat. <laughs> I, I might drop myself if, if I do have something like that. But, um, so, so I, I did a lot of weightlifting and, and eventually after undergrad at Michigan, I moved out to California for law school, um, and was living in Orange County. And I, I think just by virtue of studying so much and being in the library that I, I stopped being as physically active and started, I literally started with like 20 minutes every night on the elliptical um, and then that turned into 40 and 60 and then it turned into 20 minutes of running and 40 and 60. And, um, and so I think I started during law school just to kind of lose a couple pounds and, and maintain some degree of fitness. Uh, and then I had friends who took me on a couple of hikes. Uh, you know, there's three kind of big peaks in Southern California, uh, San Jacinto, San Gorgonio, and, uh, oh, now I can't remember, and San Antonio. And I hiked those with some buddies and we got into backpacking and kind of shortly thereafter, I got into mountaineering, but the whole time I was thinking people run on these trails. This is insane. Um, but uh, you know, at some point during that whole process, I decided that I wanted to be someone who did that stuff. And, and that was kind of the turning point. And what, um, how long are you talking like in years? Oh boy. I'm, I'm going to date myself. So I'm, I'm also, I'm 36 years old, which now that I am like, so Adam Mary just moved out to golden and I was talking to, we were running on South table a couple of weeks ago and, and I, he's like 29 or something I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like going to be the old guy in this sport now. Like I'm going to well, have to just, run hundreds. 
<laughs> you're hitting your prime. You're hitting yeah, that sweet yeah. spot. Yeah, yep. that's why. That's why there's two hundreds. Don't worry. That's right. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm like. I'm like. What year would be the, the best guys. for that? Yeah. <laughs> um. But let's see. I I graduated from law school in 2010, so I think I kind of started running, and I was probably running three or four days a week and doing like seven miles. And I sure as heck wasn't doing any speed work either. I was just going out and plodding along. Um with like a pair of new balances that I stole from my dad's closet that I probably put like 2000 miles on. Cause I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, but, uh, so probably 2008 is when I started running. Um, and well, so after law school, I moved to DC and I would fly out West for mountaineering trips and climbing trips. And so I, that was when I started road running when I was in DC. Um, and I started, you know, I did a couple of road marathons when I was out there, but, uh, I didn't, I think it was, let's see. So 2008 to 2010, I was in South, South California, Southern California. And then 2010 to 2014, I was in DC. And while I was leaving DC with a couple marathons under my belt, I decided to sign up for the Silver Rush 50. And uh, I signed up for that before I officially moved from DC. And that so that was like, my introduction to ultra running and I'd read all the books and I was like, man, these guys are so hardcore. What a bunch of badasses. Um, I wonder if I can do that. Uh, let's find out. And, and so I moved out to Colorado in 2014 and pretty much like jumped right in that race and just was floored by, you know, being in the mountains and running and all the people out there doing it and just grinding and working and, I mean, it was just so cool to be a part of that. And and the second I got that race done, I was like, I'm going to do so much more of this. This is so fun. Um, so that was kind of how I got into it, I guess. That's awesome. Um, so let's see. Take us through the progression of, okay, doing your first one and then realizing I know you didn't like to use the term elite, but how <laughs> you ended up realizing, oh, I'm pretty good at this. Maybe I should, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, pretty. So it's fantastic. so there's so many good, good runners out there, and that's why it's so weird to hear that word used in context of my background. And like, I, I mean, based on where I started and how I got into this stuff, I, I, you know, I just love it. And you know, I, I don't, I don't, I never looked at myself as being any different from anyone else out there running. I, I just put time into it that that to me is really valuable um but it, it, I, and i mean this like if i can do this stuff anyone could could put time in that can make it work and likes it enough and, and get the same objective degree of success out of it i really do believe that i mean there's some genetic component but there's so much middle ground where where people i mean rob you've got i mean just i remember when we had beers you were you, you were like ah, i'm a slow guy i'm a slow guy da 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 but I mean, just think about your trajectory in this stuff. You started applying yourself. You just spent time doing it and how far you've come in, in, you know, in this sport. And, you know, I really believe that, that that's what happens if you, if you like it and you spend the time doing it. So, um, and that was, that's my long winded introduction into how did I start having some degree of objective success in this stuff. But, um, so I did the silver rush 50 in 2014, I believe. Um, and, I had a great first half of the race and was moving pretty good. And, 
And then, you know, going from sea level to, to altitude, uh, you know, I knew how altitude treated the body because of mountaineering and stuff like that, but I didn't eat enough and I didn't drink enough. So I got to the turnaround point halfway through the race and I was peeing blood and I just felt like total trash. And I was so nervous because I had read in all the books that, you know, the volunteer, they, they would weigh people at races. And, and if a volunteer saw you in a medical condition, they'd pull you from the course. So I like went to an outhouse halfway through this thing and peed a little bit of blood and was, I was freaking out. I was like, Oh my God, they're going to pull me from the course. Like my, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Um, but I came out of the bathroom. I drank a ton of water and Gatorade. And then I just decided I was going to walk the back half of the course. I was like, I just want to get this done. It, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, I, I really just wanted it. You know, I wanted to finish this thing, whatever that meant. Um, so I walked the back half of the course and probably jogged the last 20 feet in, in, and, and, uh, and I loved it. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And, and the second I got done, I mean, I finished, it took me like, I don't know, 10 and a half or 11 hours to do the thing. And, but I got done and I said, I think I can do better. You know, whatever, whatever that means to me, I think I can do a little bit better than this. Um, so then I did, I did this 50 K in Chicago. I went, I went out there on a whim to meet some friends kind of, and have some beers and just some really good friends from back home. And I did a 50 K, uh, with a terrible hangover and, and I actually did okay. Uh, and then I ended up signing up for the collegiate peaks 50 miler. And this was going to be like my redemption. I was going to, I was going to do better cause I thought I could, um, and I had a great day. Uh, I think I ended up finishing ninth or 10th or something. And I remember I was running in the last two miles and someone, I had no idea what place I was in. And someone was spectating and shouted to me, Hey, I, th I think you're in ninth. I think you're in ninth. And I had one of those moments where I looked behind me to see if like someone was going to catch me in the last like two miles of the thing because I was so nervous. Um, and I ended up finishing that race ninth and, and, you know, I, even after finishing that one, I said, I think I can do, I think I can do better. I think I can do better. And, and I, I think that, but the, the difference between the first rate, my first 50 miler, and then that second 50 miler was that I still, there was still part of me that thought I could improve and I could get better. And I think that's that, that theme and, and that thought and that mindset has been kind of the underpinning thought that I really try and carry into every, every race and, and all the training that I do now is that I just, I think I can do better. Um, and of course that's an objective standard because it's, you know, it's time-based and, and who shows up on any given day. But, um, you know, sometimes you have those races or those runs where you get done and you're like, you're like, yup, like that's, I left it all out there. I had a good objective result. I feel like I applied myself to this and, and did what, what I could do on that day. And, and that's the feeling that I think is the one that's, that's really worth chasing in these events. So what were you doing in between? So you went from a 10 and a half hour, uh, silver rush, which is a respectable time. The fact that you walked 25 miles of that is <laughs> uh, mind boggling because yeah, I would be running the entire time for that. <laughs> um, but how much, uh, you know, going from that 10 hour to top 10, how much were you studying ultra running and nutrition? How much were you physically training more, like mentally training more, like, or was it just the consistency and just getting out there every day that, that, you know, you benefited from? 
Yeah, I I think at at that time especially, uh, I I didn't have a coach at the time, and and I was trying to just be a student of the sport, and I was I was absorbing all of the media and looking at people's training, and and I think at the time it really was just about consistency for me. Um, I was just trying to get out there and run, you know, six or seven days a week uh, as much as I could, and and so that early on in in, in this activity, you know, you can, you can just get so much stronger from, from tacking on miles and, and building volume. And, and so I think that a lot of, you know, the change and result was due to that. And then certainly the other part was, was nutrition. Um, you know, just being, that's such, there's so many little intangibles during these long races that if you really start checking all those little boxes, all of those things outside of fitness, um, add up, you know, just being efficient through aid stations, uh, transitioning from walking to running and, and, you know, and back, back and forth between those based on terrain. Um, you know, all of those little eating while you're still moving, as opposed to having to stop and sit, like all of those little things add up. And, and so I think it was a combination of, of just all of those little factors that go into having a race as opposed to being one specific thing. Interesting. I know Alyssa's probably dying to talk Pinhoti, so <laughs> it's all well, the floor is say, yours. Okay, <laughs> I was going to say, did you? I you mentioned earlier, uh, maybe it was before we started recording that. Yeah. Um, this was before coach. Do you have a coach now, or was that? Yeah, okay. I do. I do. I I I am part of the uh, the David Roach disciples. Oh, um, you are. currently, <laughs> and and uh, I I love it. You know, people. Uh, you know, there are different things that, that they, they look for in coach and need from a coach. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I got rejected the first time I emailed David, he flat out rejected me and it was the nicest rejection I had ever gotten. But, but I, uh, said, uh, I, I just, I sent him, you know, I followed up and, you know, one thing, and this is, it's so funny how it's all relatable, but uh, you know, I was still, I, after I got kind of the no email initially, you know, his roster was full, da, da, da. I, I kept, you know, I was still running and I reached out again and I was like, Hey, you know, has anything changed? And, you know, it's just like running, showing up every, you know, showing up on the days you're training and and doing what you can do and just being consistent. I wasn't going to take no for an answer necessarily. And so I tried again, you know, you, if, if you're looking to do something, you just try again, you try again. And I would, if he would have said no a second time, I would have emailed him a hundred more times. Um, and uh, luckily I had a friend who was working with him who kind of vouched for me and, uh, you know, that came together really nicely. But, uh, you know, the way David coaches is it works really well for me because he, he's kind of like that daily, that little daily dose of positivity that you get from working with him. And that for me is so, so, so important. You know, I, I, it's not that this is unique, but I can be really hard on myself. And, you know, when you have a full-time job and are trying to, you know, be a good partner to your wife and, and, and train hard at the same time, you can, it's easy to, to get cynical or get angry and frustrated with yourself. So just that little positivity every day, it's such a good reminder, you know, that you, you have the choice to do this and it, it has to be fun. If it's not fun, if it's not you know, then what's the point in doing it? And so his positivity and that being instilled in this for me is, is just pivotal, absolutely pivotal. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's done so many amazing things with so many runners, so mm-hmm. I can I can see why uh, that's appealing. But um, so, just out of curiosity, what do you think is your sweet spot of distance and um, just from the results you've done? Kind of a range of um, some more runnable hundred milers, like yeah. the Pintoti, which we were talking about um before we were recording and then more mountainous stuff like never summer what would you say is kind of your wheelhouse and um you know your perfect race what would it be um i don't know if there is a a perfect race you know i I got into this stuff so i could see a lot of different places and just experience a lot of different terrain and and test myself in a lot of different ways that way and so I love the hundred mile distance. And to me, that's just, it's, it's such a test. Um, it just, it hits, it checks every box for me distance wise. Um, but terrain, as far as terrain goes, I, I just would love to do everything. I mean, I, you know, I'm hope, I think I'll be able to do UTMB in 2022, which I would, I just want to run that course. I want to be out there. In the mountains. Um, I want to run, something i want to do western at some point which is a totally different course uh i would do both in the same year if i could uh tell you western you could just surprise a lot of people at western states it's (laughs) it's got its own i love the california trails because they're so fast and sometimes it's really fun to to run terrain like that um rio rio was on part of like some of those the core trail and stuff around the western course and and overlook 50k was on some of those trails too and um, they're really fast trails and it's fun to run like that sometimes. Uh, but on the same note, I, I love being on ridge lines. I love being on big mountains. I love that airy feeling. And, um, so I think just the, the different ways you can, you can play with the terrain and, and, uh, the, the different ways it tests your body and test you mentally. I just really love that variation. So again, just like all of my long winded answers so far, I, I, I think that there isn't a perfect race for me and I just am really excited to, to run different races in different areas of the country and, and, um, you know, see what each area, each town, each community and, and the trails in those places have to offer. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You keep going Rob- back to the st- stupid hard races. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's really cool and I'm, I'm excited because 2022, I really want to make it out to UTMB as long as international flights are a thing. Yep. Um, and man, you could, again, really surprise a lot of people. And I mean, is your training focused in on goal races? Are you sustaining fitness? I want to hear more about kind of more the details of your training. Um, yeah, do you really set one yeah. goal race for the year or do you have multiples? Do you have races as long runs? I want to hear kind of those details instead of going sure. through each race you've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I la- one thing that last year taught me, I, I had a couple of, um, kind of weird injuries, uh, glute, kind of SI joint glute related and, um, had some life stuff going on. So I had a pretty ambitious schedule last year and based on how, how much is going on typically, I, I try to be as structured as I can with that. And I try to plan. Um, I think it's absolutely necessary to fit everything that I try and fit in. So 
then I got injured and my, I mean, I, I had to eat ultra sign up fees on like, I don't know, four or five races. And I got kind of bummed out about that, but, um, I did have some goal races and some build up races and had this, had this plan, right? Um, what is it? It's not Mike Tyson or says, says it, but you know, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Um, <laughs> and that was like every, every runner's got a plan until they get injured. I think that's probably the equivalent. Um, so that happened and, and I had to pivot. So I pivoted my schedule to Rio and then I picked overlook just because 50 K for like the tune up race for, for Rio, because it was on trails I really wanted to run at the time. It was just on Western, you know, it was on some Western States trails and, in, 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 in and out of Auburn. Um, it's a really cool event. They have a 50 miler too, but it actually runs point to point. So you start at Forest Hill and finish in Auburn. So it was cool to get to experience part of, you know, part of that. Um, but you know, as far as the training goes, I, I think you, I start out kind of broad and last winter I did a lot more speed work. Um, you know, it was a lot of fast intervals and stuff, which works well because when it gets really cold and snowy out here, uh, in, you know, in golden, the, the rows are kind of where it's at. So doing speed work, um, and then, you know, as you get towards summer and, and get toward those trail races, it becomes a little more specific to hills um, and to kind of tempo runs in the middle of long runs. Um, and so you get more specific as you get closer to events, obviously it's, you know, it's a pretty traditional thing, but my week, I mean, my week looks like it does, I think for a lot of David's runners, which is, you know, you have one rest day, Monday's a rest day, easy miles, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, um, workout on Wednesday, which is like my favorite day of the week. I used to dread workouts. I was always terrified. Now I love running fast. Um, and then Saturday's your long run and Sunday's kind of a medium run. Um, so it's, it's like what it is for most people. I, I think that have a formula is it's a lot of easy miles. It's what you know, consistent workout on Wednesday. Oh, it's gotta be 90%, 85%, um, depending on, you know, time in the cycle, but, um, you know, most of the running is easy. And, and as you're doing the workouts, which is the cool part, right? Your easy running gets faster. And so you might still be running easy, but your pace is a little bit better. And, and over time, that whole thing translates to, you know, when you're out there doing longer races, instead of running, you know, what your 10 minute miles on trails, you're running like nine forties and over a hundred miles, 20 yeah, seconds a, a mile is that it adds mm. up. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, I, I think that, I, I think that David knows I really like the hundred mile. I guess I've done, I've done eight at this point. Um, and so I, I but you know, if I, I haven't really asked him, I haven't said, Hey, is this, is this hundred mile specific? I think for me, like it's just kind of general runnings. And, and then when we get toward big races, um, getting specificity toward the race I want. Cause like, like you said, I, I like racing a bunch of different stuff and, and, and so it's, I'm not as specified, I guess, in regard to distance, which maybe is a little bit frustrating for, for coaching, but <laughs> I don't know how much I think your... it opens up a lot of, go, go ahead. ahead, Rob. No, I was, no, was, was going to make, um... I was going to ask about nutrition, <laughs> um, just how your nutrition's changed. I think, I think when we had beers, we had pizza too, and it didn't sound like oh, yeah. you had anything too too crazy we got it in during that happy hour special or whatever yeah <laughs> oh yeah 
pizza. I mean, pizza is a cornerstone. I, I, I just, uh, I'm a bit, I'm a banana pepper pepperoni pizza guy. I, that is the, I just that. the jam. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I like dark beer. I like stouts and porters quite a bit too. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't do anything crazy with nutrition. I mean, during races, I've been really good and able to sustain myself on a lot of gel during races. So I, and I do really like goo products quite a bit. So, um, during races I'll eat goo products. And then if I want solid food, I'll just eat whatever's kind of on the table. Um, and it depends on temperature. If it's cooler out, I can eat more solid food easily. If it's hot, then, you know, I didn't get real. I ate like 20 oranges. I was just devouring them and then throwing the rinds in a garbage can, like blind with one arm. Like it was like, it was like basketball player free throws. Just someone who's really good. You're like a savant. Like, did you get fancy with your but, yeah. tosses there at the yeah, end? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I didn't even try to. It was just I was like in such a rush and like just I was just in like efficiency mode. So I would like rip the orange apart with one hand, pass it over, grab another one, and then without looking, throw it in the can while I was already eating another orange. It was like it was pretty cool. Um, I was more proud of that than anything else at the event, to be honest. But <laughs> I'll capture that um, in slow mo. Next time. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been a good boomerang. I think that would have been something the kids would have kids would have put on TikTok. <laughs> um, yeah. So but outside, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say, do you um, incorporate much strength? into your your training or <laughs> no and it's funny that was the runner's laugh i know i know I, I i'm glad my wife's not listening to this but uh no i my i all this for all the strength training i used to do when i was younger i i do a little bit of band work and i'll do some like air squats and and stuff for my glute um and yeah so i'll, I'll do a little bit of like kind of light weight stuff but uh my my wife knows that the biceps that she's seen pictures of have gone to runner arms and and uh we so yesterday was halloween obviously we did we did a run with some folks and we were wearing skeleton kind of skeleton tops <laughs> for halloween costumes and and i uh, made quite a few jokes about how the bones on the arm were probably ac- an accurate reflection of the uh my biceps currently so um yeah there, there, there's there's not much in terms of, of strength <laughs> for me going on these can you days. can you do a pull-up still Yes. Yes. I can do. Yes. Um, and, and so we had a pull up bar, uh, in our house and, and, you know, when I come back from a run, I might, I try and give my wife the eye and give her a little wink and I'll go rip out one, you know, just (laughs) rep out one real strong pull up to to let her know I still got some old strength in the tank, but, uh, you know, she's, she's tends to not be as impressed as, as I'd hope, but that's okay. (laughs) I mean, when you say rip out one, yeah, you know, <laughs> one good one, one good one. You know, Harder, just one strong pull up. Harder I'm, said than done. I'm assuming you chug a Red Bull before that, but that's still no, that's yeah. impressive. <laughs> well, no, I just stand, in the middle, chug I stand a Red on Bull. a step stool and I try and like hide it or something, but no, I did. <laughs> um, so you just did a race in more my neck of the woods in the east coast uh-huh. um cloud splitter yeah and yes. even second yeah so let's let's hear about that a little bit more heard it was a little different than expected oh boy yeah um so th- it was kind of again another interesting year i i initially had, had signed up for i'm tough um but you know this year's been so bizarre with things getting canceled and 
and trying to kind of play the guessing game and, and, you know, different people's comfort levels. And, and uh, so that, and all of that, but uh, I did want to get some UTMB points this year. So I, and, and I want, ideally I wanted to get a hard rock call done this year too, but um, I initially spent for I'm tough. And then based on travel and based how, based on the statistics and how things were developing in Idaho, I, didn't know if it was going to happen. And I didn't know at the time if I felt comfortable, um, getting on a plane to go up there to do it. So, and I didn't know if I felt comfortable asking my friends who were going to crew to do the same thing. So I ended up deciding not to do I'm tough and they changed their course and that race went off and the, the course they put together looked amazing. I mean, I mean, it looked so beautiful up there. Um, that's definitely one I still want to do, but, um, so just based on timing, my wife and I were going out to South Carolina for uh, my sister-in-law's uh, college graduation. And shout out to Hannah. Um, congratulations again. Um, so we went out there for that and her birthday and for my mother-in-law's birthday. And based on proximity, I, I saw this race out there and I said, oh, cloud splitters out there. Okay. Well, that's like, it's like a four hour drive from, from Columbia, South Carolina. Like that's, that's within range. Maybe I can clip that one out. Uh, we're going to fly out there anyway. There's not many races happening. That one appears to happen. So I'll sign up to do it. Um, so it was, I, I was super fit. I felt really fit all year. Um, and I, man, it was just, it was a tough, tough course. The thing has a 40 hour cutoff. So before the event, I was wondering if the 40 hour cutoff was just really, really generous or if it was justified by the terrain, because I mean, you know, you yeah, know this stuff. Lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard more than courses run, have run. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And most of these races have like a thirty-six hour cutoff, right? Um, the hard races have thirty-six hour cutoffs, and or sorry, hard courses, I should say. Um, and so I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, and the first climb out of town, I mean, I went out quick and. I felt really good. And, and the first climb was good terrain. And, and for the most part, a pretty typical climb you'd find any place. And I was like, man, I don't know if anyone's going to run with me. This this, you know, I just got to stay in my zone and do my thing. And at like mile 12, the entire dynamic of the race changed. And there were just water crossings galore. I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't, I, I did not, I expected the train to be challenging, but there were so many water crossings. It went from being a race. I thought I was going to be able to run a lot more, uh, a lot more than, than the cutoff might otherwise dictate. And I, it was just, it was so much rock garden running and just freezing cold water up to your knees type running. And I mean, there were, I don't even think this is exaggerating. People stopped counting the water crossing, but it was like 60 or it's somewhere between like 60 and 80 water crossings over the, the course. Um, and the rocks in these water crossings were moss covered and slick and it was just brutal. And so the, I got caught maybe at mile, I don't know, might've been around 50 K or something into the thing. Um, and was chatting with the guy who, uh, who eventually won. And so he had come out on the course a couple weeks before, um, to check out the terrain. And he was also training at frozen head state park, um, which is, you know, <laughs> a, a special place. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know this guy, he was like skipping through the streams, but, um, 
so he and I went back and forth a little bit, and every time we'd hit like a little stretch that was was pretty runnable, I would scoot ahead of him. But there were so many water crossings. Every time we hit like some of this really technical stuff, he would just blow by me. Um, and then I think it probably, I don't know, mile seventy two. He probably had two miles on me, and and we had to go back through the water crossings at night. And I kind of knew I was I wasn't going to be able to get him. Uh, Can I? But he was a super nice guy. I mean, he go go ahead, Rob. Oh, uh, it's just. Uh, how do you mentally handle that? You're 12 miles in, you're winning the race, you feel strong and you're in shape. Like, how did you mentally handle that to hang on for however many miles? Uh, you know, it's, I'm assuming it's like more of a mental battle for you or or did it become physical too? Um, it, it became... It definitely was more mental. I mean, I I um, pop my ankles or or you know when when you kind of step you and you tweak your ankle a little. Yep. I probably did that twenty times. Like wow. I got done with the race, and usually my quads and my hamstrings in long events because I do enough running are like those are what shot. My quads and my hamstrings were fine, but my ankles and my feet were more swollen than I had ever seen them during a race. Like they just got they just got brutalized by, by the rock gardens and stuff. And I tweak my ankle and then you'd go through a frozen stream and your feet would kind of numb up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then you pop your ankle again. So I think there was like this, this, you know, tweaking your ankle and then, and then kind of numbing it enough that it wasn't bothering me type dynamic going on. Um, which is, you know, why everything was so swollen to my lower legs after the race. So there was a little bit of a physical component, but mentally after i went through like the first big out and back um i i i knew that was going to be the challenge it was the hardest terrain i had ever raced on hands down i mean it was it was very challenging um and i knew it was going to impact my ability to be as efficient running as i wanted to be and so it was i mean at that point it was really just i committed to buckling in and getting it done and Sometimes that's all you can do. Um, I knew, I, I, I mean, I knew worst case, and there's always worst case, right? You can, you can do a lot more walking. I mean, that's always an option. Um, and, and the goal is to mitigate that as much as possible. But I'm not beyond walking as anything done. That's fine. And, and I committed to worst case scenario. If I have to walk, I'll, I'll just walk and I'll just keep moving. And, and this is going to suck, and it's not going to be as smooth as I want it to be. But but this is the challenge that's in front of me, and and I signed up for this thing, so 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 let's go, you know. I, I but it was tough. I, I we get to my wife who was crewing, or my friends, and, and my parents drove down from Michigan, and and every time I got in the aid station, I was I'm usually pretty upbeat. I was pretty. I know I was a little more negative than usual. I was just like, God, this is so hard. This is so hard. This terrain sucks um you know this is really tough really tough and um but you know that that's why we do it right i mean I, man i you're doing 200 mile races and and Alyssa peeing blood on the penalty like <laughs> i mean that's why we do it though you know we we're looking for a challenge we're looking for something different we're looking to 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 grind and 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 surprise ourselves and and i was I found that and I was more proud of myself for getting this race done than, than I think I had been for finishing any other race because the terrain like mere fuel for me. Like I, it was tough. Um, so 
yeah, it was it was a very mental, mental, mental race for me more than anything else. That's fascinating. Good, good on you. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. That's uh, some good mental willpower, though, and you know that it's, it's going to be so much easier because you have that experience <laughs> in your back pocket. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what this is. It's it's we go to races and we connect with the people there and and we expose ourselves to some different challenge whether it's just terrain or distance or whatever and and it is it's collecting moments and experiences and and then when you're in the soup later you can draw draw on those and and it provides a lot of you know a lot of willpower to get through other difficult situations when they pop up in the future i mean that's i'm you you two get it like that's why i'm sure that's why you do it that's 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 why we get out there I just I just do it for the belt buckle. Man, man, don't nah. <laughs> I, I love buckles. I love buckles. Don't get me wrong. I love buckles. So I get it. Do you wear it, it? But yeah, it's Do you wear yours? You know, um apparently I don't generally. Um for special occasions I might bust one out. Um we also so I just started a new job a couple of weeks ago and we have like jeans Friday, so I might start rocking it on Fridays at work. Um, yeah, but, but we'll see, but you know, it's the type of thing like, no, it, the people who do this stuff know what that is, but other people are like, they, you know, they don't care, which is, which is cool. You know, I, I like, I, I enjoy the sport and I nerd out enough on it. And when I see someone wearing a buckle, like I'm the first person to walk up and go, Oh man, what year did you do that race? That's yeah, so cool. You know, it's, Ultimate it's fun in that way. Um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. People are like, you walk you would do something like that at work and they're like, Oh, why are you wearing a belt buckle to the office? And I'm like, you know, for most people, I'd be like, we're in, aren't we in Denver? Or are we out here or something? I don't, you know, they don't, they don't get it. And you can say, yeah, cause I ran a hundred miles. They don't understand what that means. Like, Oh, how long, like a week, how long did it take you? But you know, we, we do this, we do this for ourselves and we do this for, for to share stories with the people in the community. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's not for everyone. And, and that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, Tell- we wouldn't want it to be. Then the trails will be crowded. You're 100% right. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, tell Rob, me about you- uh, when you're out there in the zone. Like, mentally, do you meditate while you're running? Do you, like, hit flow easily? Or are you just constant, like, mental chatter? Tell me tell me about that aspect of your running. Um. Training wise, I think I have a lot of mental chatter. Um, you know, I usually run in the mornings before work. And so morning runs are where I work out a lot of, um, kind of work related problems or work related questions, or, um, you know, I, I think I hash a lot of that out of my morning runs. Um, I, I do get in a flow state during hundreds, um, where, you know, I think somewhere in midday, sometimes the whole period of midday to the end of a race, I just don't look at my watch and, and I just kind of take it in stride. And, and then you blink and, and you're at a finish line and you look down at your watch and it's, you know, been 23 hours. You just, it, it's kind of like, like this whole block of time, like a whole night just kind of goes away and you find yourself done. So you know, I think in training, yeah, I think in training, I'm, I'm a little more, um, uh, practical with my time and try and use that time to, to think about things that, that I know are going to come, um, during my day at work. Uh, but during races, I definitely try and let that go. And I think when, 
when you're running long and you're running at effort, I think that the combination of those two things makes it easier to get into kind of that, that flow state where you let go of time and you let go of, um, you know, how long you, you, you might be out there. That makes sense. So you said in your intro that you are an original, what was it? Golden cow person. I'm okay. so excited you're asking about this. Please. You mentioned something or cowboy earlier and I was like, wait a second. We haven't even talked about this cow person. So, okay. Um, this is, this is in part, and I know everyone, I mean, you know, Matt Daniels and Hayden and a couple guys, uh, they they got their stable, like run crew to compete with the Cowboys. And, and I got a lot of love for that. So, um, I, I, my wife and I moved to golden, uh, maybe about a year and a half ago or so. And, um, I was talking to David about this in my training log and we thought that the Coconino Cowboys was excluding people, right? So we wanted to have something here in Golden that was a little more friendly to both men and women. And, and so I started using the hashtag. I mean, I don't post on social media all that often, but every once in a while, I'll drop in Golden Cow People as a hashtag on posts. And so the Golden Cow People are just the basic. There's no, it's just runners in golden like that's basically what it is and so i use that to describe like myself and some of my friends that i run with and and really any anyone who runs out in golden or even not in golden is welcome to be a golden cow person in my book um so it's just a a more inclusive way of of having a staple of runners in in golden colorado but uh, you know with that said we you know i think ashley brasvan moved out here Adam Mary moved out here. Uh, Amelia Boone moved out here. So it's kind of cool to see a lot of really, really, really talented athletes come out here um, to Golden because Boulder has this big reputation. But like being from Michigan and and and, and kind of the Rust Belt area, I'm a little more blue collar than Boulder is. So I have a special appreciation for for the the little more of a blue collar feel that golden has um so i'm i'm gonna be waving the golden flag until the day i'm dead probably um so that that's kind of what the golden cow person or people thing is <laughs> i love it you need a logo <laughs> you, you know that I, I can talk to a couple people and put something in the works it would be pretty ridiculous if we do but uh if if we do and there's apparel i will be sure to send it to you guys first so you can rock it Awesome. <laughs> Just thinking you and Adam at Western States, like <laughs> two guys that could throw down or two people, Man, two people. I'm sorry. That, and, yeah. Two golden cow <laughs> people who could, who could do that. Wow. Um, Adam, Adam, man, Adam's such a good guy. Uh, it was so funny. So, so last year when I ran Overlook, I, I did the 50 K and he did the 50 miler. Um, and by, you know, we, he and I both won our respective distances at that event. And so I was sitting in a chair and I assumed that, um, Bob Shebest was gonna, you know, win the 50 miler because Adam, Adam had a couple races, but you know, was relatively unknown, I guess. And, um, man, he came, he came in like under seven hours at that race at the 50 miler. Um, and the second I saw him come in, I was just like, who the heck is this guy? Like <laughs> he just crushed this thing. Um, so it was cool seeing him finish that event. And then, 
through, I think it was a rabbit channel or it might've been through a swap channel. Um, I saw that Adam was moving out to golden and I reached out to him. And so we've had the chance to run a little bit together and man, he's, he's going to do some big stuff. He's, he's putting in a lot of good work. Um, we're, we're pi- I mean, not pioneering, but, uh, he and I both run on South table mountain a lot. And mm-hmm. every time I run up here, it's just like the, the, the people who are running on South table just are like younger and faster and just like getting after it. So I get really excited every morning because I'm like, who am I going to bump into today? Like he and I will see each other doing workouts on Wednesdays and, and he'll yell at me or I'll yell at him. And like, so it's just like this really cool environment of, you know, people who you kind of know training hard on South Table Mountain, which is this kind of goofy flat mesa once you get on top of it. But uh, yeah, he's going to do some big stuff and, and I'm excited to see him rip, man. So let's let's go old school socks. We'll just go over some gear yeah. really briefly. Toe socks, yeah, yeah. no toe socks. Um, no toe socks. I, I have a hodgepodge of socks and most recently, um, you know, most recently I've actually really liked, I think it's a company called Fox river. Is that right? I haven't heard of that one. I don't know. It might be, it might be that I think Joe gray runs in, in these socks and I like randomly got a pair of them. I don't know how, and I love them. Um, so I'm, I'm, Yes, I, I really like their socks, and then I've got a pair of Drymax socks. Admittedly, I, I um, stole I stole Adam's game a little bit. He had some really cool Drymax socks that had like old school rings around the top of them, and mm-hmm. and I totally got a pair and raced in them. So um, I told him before I did, I was like, I think I'm going to steal your sock game, and he seemed to be cool with it. So that's good. <laughs> Cow logos coming. Um, so uh, yeah, what, listen. What shoes? If which, I could get that on a sock, that would be ideal. <laughs> <laughs> what what shoes are you in? Um, I am running in Nikes uh, these days. Uh, man, I I just think their trail stuff has been so good recently. Um, I've been running in uh, the wild, the newest wild horses, uh, and I really would like to try a pair of the Pegasus Trail Twos. I ran in the Peg Trail Thirty Sixes and and really like those shoes a lot too. Um, but uh, I, they put so much foam in the wild horse. They're they're They seem to be a really good shoe for long distance stuff. So uh, yeah. And Nike and then their Nike's road shoes have just been really good too. I, I previously would always run kind of in heavier shoes on the road. And so to wear some legit speed shoes for workouts has been really awesome. And then compression, anything on the way up, like sleeve, like leg sleeves, no 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 compression i like this i'm like picturing myself like a like a video game character like suiting up in gear or something right now this is kind of a weird image but yeah no no compression on the legs okay and no no compression on the arms either and then you're you're a smart guy what's next (laughs) uh Um, what bottles like yes so i guess uh, short wise i really like uh uh rabbits like three inch split short um my yeah that's another thing my my wife has had to accept me going from yeah no not the best the best in shows the two inch i think uh it's uh, now i can't remember the name of the three inch there i used to wear like seven inch and five inch shorts and and as i as my uh 
I've gotten older and my legs have gotten more hair on them. I really like to rock the three inch splits. So, um, <laughs> I, uh, I really love them. I, I really think they're the best running shorts I've ever worn. And I very much mean that they're, they're fantastic. Um, good pockets, like really comfortable, no chafing issues that I've had wearing them. Um, so I really like uh, rabbits, three inch splits. And then, um, they have some really good shirts too. Uh, the material is just super comfortable. So I'll wear, you know, wear their, their short sleeve or long sleeve t-shirt typically. Um, and let's see. Okay. What do we got next? Uh, vest and bottles. Um, I, I, I didn't want to get anything Solomon and I'm going to say this. I was very, very resistant to get anything Solomon. Um, but their five liter, whatever their five liter pack is, is easily the best pack I've ever worn. Um, I was previously wearing a, a Tony Krupichka UD 2.0 pack that I had sent in to UD for repairs probably four times because I couldn't find another pack to replace it with. Um, and then I got a Solomon pack and it's just really, 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 really good. So, um, I'm a big proponent of that. And then if I'm doing a shorter race and using a handheld, I use one like a Nathan handheld that I think is, I don't know, it's 20, 21 ounce handheld or something like that. Um, I think that what, uh, what else, what else you got? Adam throw a pair of sunglasses your way. He, he's been rocking some legit sunglasses. Oh oh, man. Adam sunglasses. I know. I, you know, I, I can't get away with too much. I, I stretch to get away with the three inch split shorts. Um, he, you know, <laughs> you know your put, lanes, uh, you, you know, I, I, sometimes I push the boundary a little bit and, and that's why you have friends and family in your life to, to tell you when you've, you've exceeded those lanes, but, or those boundaries, but, um, his glasses are sweet. I, I can't remember what they are, but when he's rocking those things, I know it's serious business. And, you know, frankly, I'm just, I'm just intim- intimidated. He's like the, the, ter- the trail terminator out there with those things golden cow um, people need team shades like it needs to be a thing <laughs> the the one pair Ross of, one of those? that i i have worn before oh yeah crush I, like it. What think- I like what you're thinking uh-huh um what was the uh district vision so i i have a pair of like uh, they're yellow tinted district vision sunglasses and they're like aviators style big. So they look kind of like fear and loathing in Las Vegas style glasses. Um, and they're great cause they're full coverage and they're good for low light situations. Um, but they're very, and this is a, such a bad pun. They're very polarizing. Um, oh, people man. either love them or they hate them. Uh, and I think people are split 50, 50, but, but, uh, so sometimes they're not anywhere near Adam's glasses are so much. Coo- He's so much cooler than I am. God, it's not even close, man. He's 29. <laughs> I mean, I know that <laughs> man, I got, I got nothing on that. You know, I got nothing on that. <laughs> okay. So sponsored by goo. What yes. is the best and worst goo flavor? I'm going to throw you under the bus for the worst. That's okay. You know, that's why they make so many flavors is because certain things appeal to certain people and certain things don't. Um, So I, okay, my favorite flavors are in in cooler temps, especially, I really like um, chocolate flavors. So like the chocolate, the sea salt chocolate and the chocolate coconut roctane gels are, I really, really, really like them. Um, those are really good. If it's hotter out, I like the, uh, I think it's like blueberry or the pomegranate, um, rock gel. So 
I like the fruit flavors typically when it's hotter out and then the chocolate and vanilla flavors if it's cooler out. My least favorite one is Hoppy Trails. I'm just going to say it. It's it's a fun it's a fun flavor if you really want. They did a good job replicating a hoppy flavor in a gel, but when you're running hard, it's just not my favorite flavor to take down. Um so the, that would be if I have to pick one, that's what I'm going with. Honestly, I I cannot blame you. I don't know how people drink beer while they're running. <laughs> I I can't do I can't do it either. I, when it, when I'm done running, I'm all about it. But yeah, the the hoppiness in that gel during a run is not palatable to me. I mean, on that same line, do you take liquid calories at all? Like. Um, yeah, so uh, I do. I like the Roctane um, drink mixes quite a bit. Um, Summit tea and then a lemon berry, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe not such a, a fun tip for this, but if you do a half and half, it's kind of like an uh, an Arnold Palmer. So I'll do like mix of of half Summit tea, half lemon berry, and that's really good. And and I'll take like I'm more apt to do liquid calories if it's really hot out. When it's cooler out. Um, I'll usually just lean toward more water and gels and, and, you know, whatever they have on the aid station tables. But I really do like the rock cane drink too. It's quite good. I, I just have one last question and then, uh, yeah. listen, I will throw some random questions at you, but in cool. terms of balancing electrolytes, do you have a method to doing that? Because, uh, my co-host needs some help, uh, <laughs> learning how to do this. <laughs> that's a, that's Rob, a low blow. No Wait, idea. Do you want to do you want to tell do you want to tell everyone what happened? Why why that oh, you know why that's relevant? Uh there there is a podcast coming out, but my husband did it today. He did a 20 mile run with no electrolytes and his looked like he took a salt bath. It was like, oh, didn't wow. we learn this last weekend? <laughs> um, <laughs> those those special yeah, ops guys, they train thing. that way though. Uh, is that what he is? He's not. Rob thinks oh. he is. He's, 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 he's kind he's, he's like... He definitely is. Is this where I have to edit this out? <laughs> Damn it. No. He's, a, he's a diver. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So That's pretty sweet. Well, yeah, I mean, it, he probably... If he's that salty, I mean, he probably wants to take some electrolytes in regardless. But that's super badass. That's terrifying to me. I can't imagine doing that type of thing. <laughs> I'm like, give me a mountain any day. I agree. I'm with you 100% on that. Um, but yeah, so, okay. The electrolyte thing. There's no method. There's no method to my madness on that. Um, typically, I think the, I, I take enough gels and, and the drink mixes tend to have electrolytes in them. So as long as I'm taking those at, at, at reasonable intervals, um, I'm probably getting most of what I need in regard to that. Um if I find myself eating more solid food and drinking just water, I'll sometimes supplement with um, electrolyte caps, but it completely depends on, you know, what my intake is. And I try and just be, I try and be flexible with that stuff a little bit. I, I tend to not be super rigid about like what I eat and when I eat it. Um, I know I have to eat consistently, but, um, you know, if something is more appetizing, then I'll be flexible with the other pieces and kind of adjust them based on what I'm actually eating. So unfortunately there's no easy answer for me for that one. Hypothetically, if you pull off the trail behind a cactus Mm -hmm. and you pee, 
Mm-hmm. What do you what do you do if A, your pee is crystal clear or B uh-huh. dark as lem you know Ar- Arnold Palmer lemonade? Like which what do you do uh for uh-huh. each of those scenarios? I like I like the pee test questions. These are good. Um and I'm not like a urologist or anything, so you know, this is all this is all, man. I'm just full of puns today. This is, <laughs> take it with take take it with a grain of salt. Um, sorry, <laughs> that's pretty good, right? Right. Um, oh my god, this is, I'm gonna cringe when I hear myself say that later. Um, so if if my if my pee is pretty clear, I, I'm probably not gonna be worried too much about it. Um, and what what I've noticed during races are that during the day. I don't pee a ton. I might pee a little bit early on, but then it doesn't happen a ton. But the second it gets cooler out, I start peeing a lot more frequently and my urine tends to be clearer. Um, but that has never, that's never worried me. I just think it's a function of, you know, your body, your body doing what it's doing during the day because it's hotter out. Um, and then when it gets cool, it, it, it doesn't need, it's not, it doesn't need as much fluid for you to sweat. Um, and so it can just dispose of that fluid. Again, this is all like, my interpretation of what my body does and it's probably no way medical whatsoever. So, um, it, but if, you know, if your urine does get darker, I think, and in my experience is it means you have to slow down a little bit because your output, um, is, is making you sweat more or making you, you know, need more fluid for whatever reason. Uh, and you need to ingest more fluid to get that to a better equilibrium. Because if you, I mean, if you see your pee like that, it means you're in a hole, basically. I mean, that's how I'm going to look at that situation. And the only way to get out of that hole is to really, really up the intake and maintain output. But I, I think that's going to take you, I mean, I don't know what, you know, if we were cutting, getting into the numbers on this stuff, really nitty gritty, that's kind of the option, maintain output and really increase your intake or slow down a little bit and increase your intake, which I think will probably get you back to equilibrium a little bit more efficiently um, and not be as big of a risk. But that's just, that's my, my best layman interpretation of, of clear, clear and dark urine. <laughs> well, that was good. That, that was a, a really good advice. Um, okay. On a non P note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can segue off urine. Anytime, yeah. We'll, really. we'll say, <laughs> um, if you could run one place in the world, where yeah. would it be? Um, one place in the world, uh, in the place that probably has the most significance to me are the Eastern Sierras. Um, nice. I, it was one of the places I I love I love the the terrain in the United States, and I think there's so much diversity in the United States that I I really I just really like. I think there are overlooked places in the U.S. Um, you know, everyone in a lot of senses, like, Oh, I want to go to Europe or I want to go here. I want to go here. There's a lot of cool terrain in the U S. Um, the Eastern Sierra is where I first kind of really, really fell in love with the mountains. Um, the terrain is, is just really, really cool. Uh, it's really steep. The views are crazy. You can get up to 14,000 feet. The tops of the mountains require some scrambling and some technical, you know, climbing skill. Um, it's just, it's a really, really cool place and, and uh, national parks over there. I mean, Yosemite Kings Canyon, Death Valley's even over there. Um, there's a lot of diversity and a lot of really fun terrain. So I'm going to go with the Eastern Sierra broadly. <laughs> Craziest wildlife encounter 
you've run a lot of crazy places, so you must have seen one or two things. So I, I, I have a, a, before I got into running so much, I, I, I was at Whitney portal in the Eastern Sierra and I was going to uh, day hike Mount Whitney. This was before I was running. And this was like probably the hardest physical thing I had ever done up to that point in time. So I was at Whitney portal um, and a couple people, I was camping at the portal for the night and I was going to start hiking the next day super early. And this couple came off the trail and they had, they had done the mountain and were coming down. And when I went to go pick up my permit, the ranger said, be careful of bears. They're like big squirrels. They'll just steal stuff. And I was like laughing. I was like, sure thing, ranger, whatever you say. I was like, a bear's not like a squirrel. What is this? You know, I was very, I was very skeptical about this. So this couple comes off the trail. They put their bags in the trunk of their car and I am facing their, their back is to their car. Uh, they're facing me talking to me. I'm facing them. I can see them. I can see their car out of the corner of my eye. I see a bear come on the parking lot. He's the bear sprints across the parking lot, rips a backpack out of the back of their car and sprints off into the woods. And I was speechless. My jaw was on the floor. Like these, and the guy looks at me and he turns around. I was just like, bo, bo, bo bear. And the guy turns around and he sees the bear taking his pack. And it's had, you know, this thing had like, I don't know, like, couple thousand dollars with the camera gear in it and stuff and the oh, bear just no. sprints off into the woods and the guy starts chasing it and i was just like i don't think you want to chase the bear. i mean i'm no bear expert but i don't think the 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 time-tested wisdom is chase the bear into the woods i, I mean so so he chases the bear into the woods the bear you know it ends up dropping the bag and getting away with a couple things and they ended up recovering their camera gear but that whole moment was the ranger first lesson the park ranger was right the bears are fast and like squirrels and they'll steal your stuff and number two despite the fact that the guy was okay i think the other lesson here is don't chase the bear into the woods so uh that that was definitely the the, the best wildlife situation i've ever had imagine like filing the insurance claim and the guy's like right <laughs> so this bear took bear. your brand new sony three thousand dollar camera out there right, yeah buddy, right sure thing well and in my mind i i would just like i had this image that that this bear had like a den somewhere off in the Sierra and it was like full of backpacks and like camera gear and snacks. And like, there's just like, you know, a hundred thousand dollars worth of gear in this bear's den that was just ripped through. But that was, that was like how, what I anticipated. Cause you know, I mean, this bear had done this a ton of time. You knew this was his MO. Like he sprints across the lot. He steals someone's pack. Yeah. Like that's his thing. Um, frankly, it was genius. I mean, it was, it was well planned, well executed. And, and I was just impressed with the whole thing. <laughs> that is. <laughs> uh, I just imagine this bear sitting in a recliner with like a TV exactly. that it took out of an RV. It's yes, like, oh exactly yeah, hibernation is yeah. the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it was anything he got was just like a cherry on top. I'm sure he had so much stuff at that point. So, uh, yeah, except, it was except pretty funny. for the, uh, that one gel flavor, they're all like stashed yeah. side pile. Like, Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where the race director would go up to the den to get those for whatever the local races were. I'm sure they had some situation, <laughs> you know, the race director would go drop off like a, a big stick and then he'd take all the gels that the bear didn't want. They had a good deal. <laughs> uh, so, you said that you did uh, mountaineering or 
before you got into trail running, what yeah. was, um, my husband is a mountaineer. That's when awesome. He's not diving or dying yeah. in, in salt. <laughs> um, and I, I'm pretending that I'm brave enough to be one. What <laughs> well, was I think one? I think all mountaineers are pretending to be brave enough to be yeah, one, to be fair. honest with you. But, yeah. <laughs> What's one of your the coolest routes you've done? Um, you know, I, the, one of the coolest things I did. So after I took the California bar, I, I had to wait for results. And I was done with law school at that point and knew I wasn't going to stay in California. So... I threw pretty much my backpacking and, and mountaineering gear uh, and my camping gear into, I had like a, a 1998 Ford Taurus. And so I drove around the state for 30 days, like just kind of sleeping in my car and camping and, and doing some climbing. That was when I did Mount Whitney um, back then too. So, but like a couple days before I did Mount Whitney, I went and, you know, it's, it's kind of rudimentary, but it I did Mount Shasta. Um, nice, and I yeah. think I just did the Avalanche Gulch route uh, but it was, I mean, it was full on, it was crampons, ice axes. Um, and it was, it was super fun. It was slow going and slow moving, but, um, it was the first kind of, it's so funny, you know, you look at these mountains now and now that I run, it's like, okay, if I had an ice axe and some crampons, I could probably get up and down the thing pretty quickly, you know, depending on snowpack level. But, uh, that was like the first real route that I did that required a little bit of like glaciers travel skill and, and uh, snow skill and things like that and so that that experience was i think really special um but you know then coming down from there and then doing like you know mount whitney's just a really long hike but coming down from that recovering for a day um and then going to do mount whitney was pretty cool like that was when i realized you know one of those moments like okay i can do i can do this endurance thing i can move you know i can move slowly um and kind of check that box but mountaineering, mountaineering is so hard i mean I've been on Mount Rainier and I've been on like Mount Baker and been on some stuff in the Northern Cascades, but because I was flying from DC, those trips basically meant I was sitting in a tent for a weather window for a couple of days. The weather window never came. And I just, it was like a snow camping vacation and never got to summit anything, which, you know, that's how that game works. Sometimes if the weather doesn't cooperate while you're out on a trip, then you're kind of screwed. Right. But yeah, you know, yeah you have to have a lot of humility to just sit in your tent and read books. And, and if it never comes and you got to leave the mountain and head back, that's, that's what it is sometimes. So I got definitely two more random ones and this is enjoyable. I mean, I'll start with, have you run with Kyle P. Tari before you guys Um, buddies at all? (laughs) Uh, so Kyle and I have chatted quite a few times and, and we were working together to help the Zenobiathon happen. Right. Uh, which is Denver's uh, most famous marathon, if you haven't heard about the Zenobiathon before. Um, <laughs> uh, and Kyle and I have chatted a handful of times. I we've, we've seen each other on uh, Lookout Mountain Road and and stuff like that, but we haven't – I don't think we've run together. Kyle, Kyle, I have no, I have no shame in saying this. Kyle is a, a better runner than I am, uh, but Kyle, if you're listening, would love to share some trail miles with you. Uh, and learn from someone of your caliber uh, because you are a fantastic runner and fantastic human. I don't know how you so so the thing is, I don't know too many people who are like attorneys and good at ultra running. Kyle does both. But on top of that, he has like what three kids, three kids, which is just mind blowing to yep. me. Yeah. Oh my God. yeah, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, I see him like when he has when his kids were younger, he does stroller miles and like, was was putting the kid carrier on with the treadmill like i mean he's the epitome of 
you find something you want to do, you find a way to make it work. And I'm sure his, his wife is very understanding and I think she's a runner herself, but you know, having, you have to have people to support all these things happening. And, and I'm sure that, that, that they, I mean, they have this pinned down as, as well as any two people can, I think, because it's like, that's like full on life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I put you in that category too. And just the legal, the legal speak, (laughs) the legal speak, if you two were taught, like going for a run together, would just be so off the charts that uh, maybe it hasn't happened yet for a reason. It just, it'd be too much. I, you know, it might be the type of thing where we both decide to start our own law firm and then we would like, we would be like the personal injury, we'd end up being like personal injury runner attorneys where like we have a very niche clientele um, and it would be wildly unprofitable, but we'd probably have a You've good time doing it. you hit by a car? Oh. Yeah, you tripped on the trail? Yeah. Who, you know, what public land uh, entity would had responsibility for maintaining that? Well, you know, we'd lose like everything. We would not win any of those, but um, it sure would be fun. Yeah, and or I mean, you, you thoughts get into with bear Kyle. recovery. Sorry. Yeah, have, have you been attacked by a bear? Have you had personal property stolen by wildlife? <laughs> <laughs> Call. Yeah. Sorry, Rob. You had another question. <laughs> <laughs> Call Harrington and no, I'm not going to do this. Um, yeah. you're <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll shoot him a note after the show on this one. I, I don't know how much buy-in I'll get, but we'll give we'll see what happens. And I, I really hope he does well during Desert Solstice because I oh, done God, a film too. and he, in all seriousness, did have a car incident and yeah, he's hopefully going to come back stronger. I'm really pulling for him. Yeah, and, man, I, I'm going to be watching that for sure. It, it's you know, it, it was crazy what happened to him last year, and and yeah. you know, it's it seems like. Every once in a while, he has a little kind of like side effect kind of come in up and, and impact him a little bit. But I, I hope for the most part he's recovered because he's such a talented runner and he works so hard at that and everything else. I mean, it'd be awesome to see him have, have the di- kind of day that I know and I think everyone here knows he can have it at an event like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was going to finish on a real serious question related oh to best hallucination kind of. Have you had one or two that are real vivid? And my guess is, hundred miler, like you're winning or something to that effect. But best hallucination had, story is where I'm going to end. Man, I okay. I've had I've had no hallucinations during hundred milers. Um, I I just haven't. Um, although, so I can segue this. So my wife and I, uh, before well, I think it was before we even got engaged. We uh, she wanted to do a hundred miler. And we call this her her debut and retirement hundred miler, um, but we we went out and did Bryce Canyon hundred, and we did the whole thing together. Um, and she told me, I believe that she was seeing giraffes at night, um, but she was seeing some weird stuff at night. And so that that's like the closest I've been to to someone hallucinating. But at the time, she didn't say anything to me about it. So she was apparently hallucinating and not saying anything at all. And then after the race, she was like, oh, I saw him seeing giraffes and like all sorts of weird things and weird animals that weren't there. And I was like, why didn't you say anything to me? That's really that's really strange. But yeah, I've I've I personally have not had any sort of uh, event like that for better or worse. I mean, it could be entertaining and helpful. That's that's all I know. But um, yeah, 
Well, I'm surprised she didn't share it with you because sometimes it's like, okay, am I actually seeing this? Yeah. Do, no, like, I need to <laughs> You're need 100% to verify. right. Yeah. 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 I'm almost more worried about the fact yeah, that she didn't it's share. Like, <laughs> what, do you think that was okay? Like, you just didn't care? Like, oh, there's a giraffe. No big deal. Like, you know, the fact that it didn't even strike her as being that out of whack at the time, you know? <laughs> I think that's I think that's why she and I do so well together is because we think weird things are normal. But uh, you know, I can say sounds like she's she's a keeper in the show. Oh world. my god, she, 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 she is a she's a saint. She is an absolute saint, and I you know I, I couldn't be luckier to have her as as part of life. To be on, I'm very I mean that very much. Well, where can we follow your next adventures? Um. Well, Strava, the next one's always on Strava. Um, There you go. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but on social media, I'm on Instagram. It's just at CW Harrington um, is my Instagram account. And I don't post a ton there, but sometimes I'll post goofy stuff on there. Um, But yeah, that's probably the the best place to see anything. Well, I enjoyed it, Chris. Thanks for taking so much of your time. I know we'll see each other at a a upcoming race or training run or sometime soon i know it's going to happen so stay stay healthy and thanks for taking all your time today you know you this is great and i appreciate you guys letting me ramble on for a while um i you know i love the podcast and and i really appreciate what you guys are doing to contribute to the to the community and and so really appreciate both of you thanks so much and that was episode 154. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Big thank you to Chris for taking so much of his time. Thanks to Alyssa, as always, for co-hosting. Big shout out to my show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition, Exoskin, Kogala. Thank you to the Patreon supporters. I couldn't do it without you guys. Most importantly, don't forget to enjoy your training. See ya.